You know how I know Bucks Twitter is fake? It's frustrating to see them treat the regular season as extended preseason. It's the greatest payoff probably in cinematic history. You got Nora, you got Meryl, and Diakite. People were like losing their mind over Howard the Duck. They did not have what was a satisfying redemption arc for Hulk. Like if they actually, if the Bucks can actually develop their talent and not trade them away, like that's a solid core around Giannis. Sideways admitting, man, this Middleton guy, uh, I don't know. Such, I had such a sense of dread. And some movies just have a bad guy that you can't get a lick on until the end where they electrocute him or something. Since we started this, I realized I had left this one off and I deeply regret it. It was dead silence for 30 seconds and then two young children crying and then I bust out laughing. So it's the 24th of April and we have the A-Team with us here tonight. We're going to talk a little bit about the books and then we're going to dive right into a topic we wanted to get into for a while, which is top five MCU movies. Not exactly Marvel movies, so no Fantastic Four, uh, no Ang Lee Hulk, but we wanted to talk a little bit about Marvel movies. But first, so we have, look, the names don't even matter. We got the A-Team with us, uh, Luke and Jay. Uh, we want to do five, do we want to set our timer to talk about the books or... We just want to forego that all together. No, we can talk about them. I got at least five minutes worth of softball takes. <laughs> yeah. I'm out of takes, actually. So, I, and I've, I've probably seen one out of the last three games. But um, I don't know how, how how we feeling at this point. I'll say this. Um, the other seasons, I just knew heartbreak was kind of coming. Except for when we lost to the Raptors, I. I should have seen that coming, but I didn't. Okay. Um, that being said, this is a team I'm okay with losing with for the most part. I like our players from top to bottom. There's two guys on the team that uh, I don't want. I don't want to speak too ill of them, but whenever you have a team that you're not mad anyone gets in the game at any given uh, any given moment, that's a team you're ready to ride with. Like Thanasis has really picked it up in my personal opinion over the last couple of months. I I don't think he's a great professional basketball player, but he, I think he shows signs of being, he could be Rodman-esque on the defensive end and work hard all the time. And I can respect that. Uh, Pat C is one of the players that I, <laughs> that I haven't been too much of a fan of this season. Like two years ago, I, I did like Pat, but history has been off. He's airballing fairly consistently, but he showed signs of working hard again. Um, and that's really all. I, I need you to scrap on that offensive rebound. I need you to cut. Um, if you didn't see the last two or three games, I mean, we blew the 76ers out of the water uh, the other night and we came out like we were taking it serious, which I don't feel like we had really done all season. It was a lot of let's see if this works and let's see if that works. But this was like, no, we're going to we're going to play like this is a playoff game. Let's see what we can do. And they blew them out of the water. They took uh, Embiid out of the game because it, it wasn't going to be close. He, he hurt his shoulder a little bit, but we were by 20 then. Don't let the score fool you. That that was a landslide victory for the Bucks. So, um, 
I'm actually positive. If we lose, we lose in the playoffs, but at least we lose with the right character mix for me. Guys who are good at their positions and aren't going to let it go down without a fight. Yeah, I, I'm pretty positive as well. Um, it's after last season, a lot of people wanted Bud to go. And I never was on that camp or in that camp on that boat. I just thought that he had to be willing to make adjustments. And he's done that so far this season. And it's, I give him credit for making adjustments and also making adjustments with a brand new team. Um, that that's a lot and even though that they treat it's frustrating to see them treat the regular season as extended preseason um it's you gotta believe it's gonna pay off down the line or it, i mean otherwise what are we doing here um i do like our bench i think having jeff having t portis tucker forbes that like that's a legit mm -hmm. bench um, especially in the playoffs. Um, so I, I'm positive on that. And then we'll see. I mean, really, I'm not worried about Philly. I don't see why we can't make the ECF. And then it's just worrying about the Nets at that point. And if we lose the Nets, we lose the Nets. That's, I, there's no shame in that to me. Um, so I like Jay said. <laughs> uh, you know, if it's... <laughs> the, the entire time you were talking... <laughs> I was, would, I was preoccupied by the chicken logo on your shirt, and I'm just trying to see the chicken logo. Uh, and I'm just trying to read it. It's like, 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 like a fight. Because I'm in South Carolina now, so it's like the, the home of the Gamecocks. And there's like, I, I, I mean, I guess that's the biggest tangent. But like, it's like, this dude told me the other day, he was like, um, like this Clemson guy. And he's like, oh, like, would I, you know, would I date a girl? Who went to case they don't call it, they don't call it South Carolina, they just call it Carolina. Like they don't know there's a North Carolina. It's like, would mm -hmm. I date a girl who went to Carolina? What's the point? What's the point? I'm not gonna marry her. She went to Carolina. I'm like, wow, it's like that, dude. He's he's like I was like, wow, that's like the hardest thing I've ever heard. This is totally off topic. But yeah, um these dudes in the South are different. We talked about this already offline. This guy the other day, this Cajun guy. Like literally, like um, like the water boy, like like the Cajun guy from the water boy. This other guy next to this Cajun guy, he's talking about, man, these pants are so tight, they're like Pistol Pete's. He's like, they're like, you know, I'm worried. You can't have me wearing these Pistol Pete's. This and that, blah blah. blah. And I asked the other uh, kind of Southern guys with me. He's like, is that like a, a Southern saying? He's like, I ain't never heard nobody say Pistol Pete's before in my life. And it's just like, it's like, all right, you just, you just call them Pistol Pete's. And I'm like, all right, yeah, the South is different, man. I came to this realization. And sorry for, for derailing everything you just said. You know how I know Buck's Twitter is fake? Because in the real world, Pat Connaughton is a handsome man. Right? So if we were just walking around in the real world, like if this was baseball, right? Like if baseball kind of the thing is half of, half of the females are kind of like, like pining for the center fielder or the pitcher or whatever, and it's at least part of the experience. Nobody capes up for Pat Connaughton at all, right? Because it's all just a bunch of dudes talking about whatever. I don't really trust him either, but I, I guess I don't know why people why people are so mad about it. Also, like I think it's all just continually completely random. But um, but Bootenholz, that's probably a good transition 
he got some property or he bought a house or he got a new house or, or something. I feel like that was out there. So maybe it looks like, like, like he's going nowhere. No. Yeah. I think he's here to stay uh, for better or worse. I don't, I don't see him going anywhere. And because I really do think they want to be the Spurs of the North. And so they want their Popovich. I mean, you can have that your Popovich, but Giannis isn't Duncan and especially in the playoffs. So we're already step behind so so would you rather us win 55 to 70 games this season and just know we're always going to exit probably in the second round under Budenholzer or would you rather have someone where we might come in as a seventh seed with a lot of talent who isn't afraid to take risks where we could possibly run a ridiculous sprint and make it to the finals kind of like the heat did because to me give me give me the wins at this point in my life <laughs> I've seen the Bucks be like be no offense, but kind of losers my whole life. Even when they were good, like mm-hmm. you didn't really have that much confidence. Just have us be in the mix. I don't mind us being the Raptors of the last seven years. Maybe it ends with the title at the end. My anxiety with that is I, Rob Mahoney. I think for the Ringer or for some some Yahoo or somewhere came out with this article now the article because it's all kind of messaging and it doesn't mean that the messaging is false like necessarily but the messaging now is like hey we're we're doing this you know so it'll pay off in the playoffs and it's like yeah just because you say that doesn't mean it's necessarily true i mean i think it's better but it's like you know on some level they're still not real i mean like the sun's the sun's collapse was like kind of a perfect example of like mm-hmm. Because the thing is, it, it's not so much that they're terrible with that. Although we could argue that they're terrible, it's just in the playoffs, you're always you're just gonna run into some some master, some like Jedi master of, like Chris Paul. Like every team has some guy who's just gonna destroy you, and they don't even have to be that. Like I don't know how good Jamal Murray is, but like Jamal Murray and like um, Mitchell, like like they're just guys. I mean, I guess those are Western players, but like there are guys. There's gonna be a guy on every team who's going to just kick it up to some other notch. And so us just being like, yeah, we're trying stuff. Hey, we're learning. Well, like, does it take five years to learn how to close basketball? I mean, I, I don't know. That That's that's kind of my apprehension now. That being said, yes, I agree with you completely. Um, I, I'm all, you know, I'm always talking to the boy about what's going on in the game, how I'm seeing it, and what's the difference between the bucks you can trust versus the ones you can't. Um, I watched as we were basically slow rolling against the 76ers today because uh, Embiid wasn't playing. Um, they, they sat Embiid, and we basically scored 40 points in the half, but we're still up by seven, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. And it got to a point in the second uh, half where it was close. It was like within three or four. But Drew came down, and it's not in his like favor. Drew pulled up on a three that was not characteristic for him and knocked it down. He seems to understand about swings the way Brogdon used to understand. Like, I need to drive and get an easy bucket to stop the bleeding and make the guys go back to doing what we do in- instead of panicking. So I still think Drew can be that guy. And we also ran several defensive sets with Middleton out of the game where I'm like, I can roll with this team. It was Lopez. It was Giannis. We had uh, P.J. Tucker in with Drew. And I think we had DiVincenzo. So it was a lot of energy and a lot of shutdown where, and I, I, I can't say this enough. Um, I'm really a big fan of what I've seen PJ Tucker do in like a veteran role of just, you ain't going to punk me kind of stuff. And I'm going to keep you out the lane. You might make it, but it ain't going to be easy. And it's kind of like the 
the running back tandems of the Thunder and Lightning where I'm just going to bruise you all game. And by the fourth quarter, you're not going to want any of this. Um, I can definitely see him causing some problems for people in the playoff if we give him enough time. And just knowing we have a defensive set like that where no one's a clear liability as long as we don't have Milton and Connington, I feel like one of those is usually on the floor. When both of them are off, I feel very confident that the other team's not going to be able to score on us at will. No, and to me, the real takeaway, I think at this point, I think Drew Holiday is both absolutely everything you said and slightly overrated. It doesn't really matter to him how he's overrated. I think people are now, he's still got a sloppy handle. So now it just kind of becomes this thing where like his isn't a handle, but he throws kind of just easily pick offable passes kind of too. I'm very happy with him. It's just Giannis is going to have five turnovers a game just on charges and stuff in the playoffs when he gets amped up. Middleton's going to give you two or three, and it's like Holiday's also going to – we got like a, a ten turnover starting three. And so I'm kind of – I'm thrilled that we have him and everything, but there is – he's a one-time All-Star one time in the East a million times ago for a reason, right? He's not – he's just at that, that smidge below kind of level. The one thing I'll take away from the second last little bit of the Suns game that I did see – is the shot that Middleton hit with 42 seconds, 40-whatever seconds, was a shot where he was open, somebody else did something, and they got the ball to him, which is what he's supposed to do is be there to catch and shoot. Like, he should be the best guy at the team at catching a pass and taking it. All that other stuff, you know, not so much. So I I didn't get to see that game, unfortunately, even though I have an internet package of a cable provider and I have the NBA package for the Bucks. That was blacked out here in Phoenix, and it wasn't on local TV. So I was, like, checking the scoreboard every every so often. And, I knew, like, I just – did you think we were going to win that game? I, I called exactly that. We would probably be in it or up slightly the whole game. But in the fourth, like, we weren't going to close. Because CP3 is going to do that. And that's why I was so hype on CP3 in the offseason. He's going to hit that mid-range jumper, and there's not going to be much you can do about it. Um, so I, that doesn't – it disturbs me on the fact that we couldn't stop CP3, but he's got to come out of the West first, so I'm not too concerned about that. Uh, to me, CP3 is probably still the he's probably the best point guard over the last 20 years. Everyone else is hot hot spurts. He's been yeah. good since he came in and has yeah. not stopped. Um, so it, 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 we always lose to the Suns. It seems like that over the last couple of years. Uh, but I guess that goes to prove the point, have the Bucks change if I thought that was going to be the way it played out, and it played out exactly the same way. Um, Hopefully we can. Hopefully the Nets will be banged up enough, and the 76ers will be banged up enough, and we won't have to play both. And we can possibly make it out out the East. Maybe we can get catch one of those Raptors championships, mm-hmm. <laughs> where you go up against a superior team, but three of the starters get hurt. Right. Um, right. I don't know. Anything's possible. I do like the way Giannis is kind of moving without the ball, kind of looking to pass, not just bowl over people where he's going to get those offensive charges. But once again, kind of I. I Everyone wants to go back to what they feel comfortable doing, especially when they're panicking. And we'll find out in the playoffs whether he's got a mentality locked and loaded of stop, don't charge this dude, and then kick it over the top to Lopez or to cutting Connington, and he keeps that going. But, or, uh, or or stop, pirouette, and shoot an eight-foot hook shot. <laughs> like, yeah. like, you, you don't, like it's always preferable. Like have the, Take that coin flip mm-hmm. over – over risking anything. It's like you're standing in the paint, dude. Like you should be able to bounce in front of the rim, backboard and in. I don't know. I, I would really love to have been a fly on the wall before the seventy the first of the two seventy sixers games though. To see what kind of talk was going on in the locker room. Because I think Milton started out eight for ten 
Fortis was on fire. Like everyone came out like, okay, this is it. This we're playing for our lives here. And obviously if that was repeatable in the playoffs, I would say we were going to breeze through the East, even if the nets were at full capacity, to be honest. Um, but I don't think that's very realistic to, to think Milton's going to start off eight for 10 and, and all that stuff. But to know they have it in them, we really like we're what a month away from the playoffs. We have not seen them try to put our, in my personal opinion, we have not tried, uh, Boonholder has not tried to put his best players on the floor for a whole game and see what happens. And this seemed like the first time where it was like, all right, the Nassus, you're not getting any minutes. We're running our core guys, what I think will win. And it was promising to see that when they did that, they could blow someone out. So who's the crazier hype guy in the locker room? Tucker or Portis? <laughs> the Nassus. <laughs> or the Nassus. Nassus. <laughs> I think it's probably Portis. Portis looks like he wants to fight. Like, right. like Portis just, I mean, again, I think we would think that even if there wasn't the him punching Miratic thing from back in the day with the Bulls, but... And he's not like a tough player. He's not like a soft player, but he's kind of right down the middle. It's just he wants to fight. I mean, it's almost like, like who is like that? Like Sheed was a little bit like that. He's not really tough, but it, like, like he's fine with fighting. Um, dude, like last year, and look, we follow the Bucks pretty closely. I mean, follow the league generally. Last year, if you were like, or maybe a month, a year and a half ago, if if they were like the Bucks got Bobby Portis, the Bucks got Julius Randle, that I would have had the exact same reaction. Like to me, they were the exact same player since, you know, since, and they got passed around and everything like that. And I, I said this maybe last podcast, but I'm still kind of wondering if Bobby Portis is like a legitimate, like full notch below all-star kind of level player. Like if he, like if he goes next year to the Hornets or some random team, like, is he just going to be like 17 points a game? I'm kind of wondering now. I hope. I don't, I'd have to, I, don't, I have no idea about the cap or anything like that. It would be nice if we can keep him. Like, mm-hmm. legitimately, if we had the money, we should pay him. And even if that means moving some guys uh, around, in my personal opinion. Um, who, he might be the best scorer on the team. Like, like le- legitimate, when you think about who gets minutes, who gets shots, who gets the shot they want all the time, who stills high percentage at that point. Um but I, I, I'd ride with him over, you know, trying to go back and get the guy from Atlanta that we botched the trade over, to be honest. At this point, he seems to have good chemistry. Yeah. He's a real big. Like, we're, we're kind of lacking on bigs. If, if Lopez gets hurt or gets in foul trouble, I don't know what we do. Um, Portis, he, he's not a true big, but he'll mix it up if he has to. I'd almost rather – look, I don't want any part of the heat, like, at all, at all. But the other variable, too, I mean, I just don't know – has there been any talk about half capacity or three quarters capacity or anything like that? Are we are they a month away from that? Because, uh, like, I'm in, the, I'm in the South now. Like, I, I don't really see too many masks anymore. I mean, there's like, like, if you can go to Bojangles, it's like one out of 10 people are wearing masks. Like, so I, I'm just wondering to what extent, because it'd be a really interesting thing. Like you saw this in baseball with, like, I think the Rangers are like full capacity. If, like, if half of the arenas are like half full or like full and, and if somebody else decides like if the books are like, well, we're going to be 25% full, then it, it matters for seating, but home court's not going to feel the same. And I, I don't know if the pumped in crowd noise matters, but it's like, you see these highlights and it's like, people are like spread out 
and kind of not watching the game, <laughs> you know, kind of with their arm over the next chair. And it's like, well, it's almost nothing it, yeah, on TV. I don't know. I haven't been, so I don't know. They mentioned on the broadcast today. I don't remember what the the numbers that they said they opened up the capacity to, whether it was you know, one fourth, twenty five percent, or whatever it was uh, in the game today. I feel like we're going to learn a lot between this and the bubble, especially with the Heat. Um, they had a bunch of young players that probably got a bigger benefit from being locked down in a scenario where they couldn't go anywhere and shooting in an open gym, right? They mm-hmm. didn't have to feel any of that pressure. So I, I think I think we might have learned the wrong lessons about the number one seed not meaning anything because it didn't mean anything when everyone was playing in the same location. Yeah, of course not. And I think the refs didn't feel as much like the pressure to get calls right for the home team. So I would like to see the Bucks try to close out this number one seed. They were talking about it today that, you know, we have a legitimate shot because we just swept the 76ers and we play the Nets in two back-to-backs and we'll have to see how willing they are to play Harden or Durant before the playoffs start because that could completely shift everything. I can't remember. What's Miami in now? Like the sixth seed? We Will we play Miami if it started today? There's I think they're in there. the seventh. Seventh? Yeah. Well, with the play-in, who knows? All that stuff's going to get mixed out. I don't think we really have a choice but to decide whether we want to, you know, put the brakes on and just let everyone chill before we go into the the playoffs or whether we want to say, now we want to send a message before we start. Um, I can see it going either way. But I I feel like most of these stadiums, and like you mentioned in the South specifically, they're just like, no, open up. Yeah. (laughs) We can sell some tickets. I think they're going to open. I feel like for the playoffs, they're not going to let that money go out the door, right? So they're going to expand the even Milwaukee as liberal as the organization has been. When it comes playoff time, I think it'll bump up to at least 50%. So, yeah, all the more reason to try and get that number one seed. It'd be interesting at what point they don't allow you to pump in fake noise. Like if it's 80% full, do you still get like the Minnesota Vikings, like fake, fake all that fake stuff? But we just know it matters for Giannis more than just about any other player. It just matters for him. And I think, because look, I mean, we've talked a lot about an incredible player and all this kind of stuff, but what he does is kind of warping the limits of kind of what's what's traveling and what's a gather and all this kind of stuff. With the crowd going nuts, him on the break and somebody jumping in front of him and the crowd going nuts, it's easy for the official to just call that a block. In a bubble, they were just kind of like, nah, you're not a star. And they, they're just, I don't even feel like it was by the book. I do feel like we were kind of getting screwed, but it just, we need that home court advantage more than I would say the Lakers. The Lakers are going to get it. The Lakers are going to get it anywhere. The Lakers will get it on a neutral court, you know? Yep. Definitely. So, so yeah, anything else? Anything else? Uh, uh, I just got to say, if, you know, again, I, we might have talked about this too. At what point? Do you trade Middleton for assets and let Nora take his spot? <laughs> <laughs> like three weeks ago. <laughs> At the trade deadline. At the trade deadline. Um, no, I, I was thinking about it today during the garbage time. You got Nora, you got Merrill, and Diakite. And like, if they actually, if the Bucks can actually develop their talent and not trade them away, like that's a solid core around Giannis. If all they learn need, how to play defense. I was about to say, all you need to teach in the ward is like slide from his hips left to right and play some defense because his jumper is on. Every time they put him in the fourth, Cole's shooting. He's hitting three out of four on just right. a, my guy's kind of playing off me by a foot and I'm just going to go up. Um, 
Yeah, if he could just slide on defense, what's up with Bud just kind of chewing out some guys randomly? Like, I've seen him go at Lopez. I've seen him go at Nawara. But yeah. it's a fiery side of him. I don't remember seeing really apply to the other players in the last two years. If if he if he bought property, the Middleton's the next to go. I mean, that's that's really to me like it, like somebody's gonna get blamed, and that's kind of the thing I, I resent too is just people. Like I wasn't going out and saying Drew Holiday's our second best player because that's kind of neither here nor there. I mean, fine, but like, so when you saw that big contingent of people being like, "Well, Drew's our second best player," what they're really doing is like sideways admitting, "Man, this Middleton guy, uh, I don't know." when he was having kind of a really bad couple of months. But the trade that was out there, theoretically, yes, Harden, and yes, all this kind of stuff, and all these big swings, I really think they will have regretted not getting Michael Porter Jr. from the Nuggets with some picks and whatever else for Middleton, because he's he looks like McGrady some nights. I, I mean, he's not as dedicated to being like athletic in that same kind of way, but it's... It's very much kind of a Clay Thompson kind of stroke too, and they really missed on maybe getting like a one and and a, and a guy with upside. Although I think was it the bad knees that he had? He had like a really bad injury flag, which I is why so. he went so late. But the, the, Middleton will be gone after this postseason unless we win the title. So either way, I'm happy. You know what we don't want to do? <laughs> what we don't want to do is get to like like the Eastern conference finals and then have him have some big garbage time game and still lose. And people be like, Oh, you see, like at this point, the sample size has been so large on what his good games look like and what his great games look like and what his eh, games look like and what his garbage games look like. We've seen the whole range of all of this. So like there's it's put up or shut up time. Uh, anything else on the books? Have we all, did we all watch, uh, Captain America and the Winter Soldier and Falcon and Black Falcon. Did we all finish that? I did. I did not. I didn't even start it. Okay. Never mind. Then. Well, then you're ahead of both of us. It seems like it's semi-confirmed that they like completely destroyed the script. Uh, it didn't even make sense why it was only six episodes, but now it's making more sense if that, if that rumor, whether it's been confirmed, I don't know, that there was some kind of uh, virus release thing that they didn't want to touch with the pandemic going on so they basically if this is true unconfirmed from what i know uh had to rewrite stuff and kind of just try to fix it in the editing room which would make a lot more sense because a lot of the characters are like I- i'm supposed to care about these people you show me for five seconds and it's not in any really greater context if to, except for to have these giant speeches and it's just like oh yeah all right and i i, I didn't come in like soft on it i was coming in you know hoping it would be as good as anything marvel but uh, to me, it fell way short on making you care about really anyone. I understand the character arcs were there, but uh, it, it it was a little soft. What was the big spoiler at the end? Nothing Cause... really. Nothing really. He becomes Captain America. I mean, I'm sure you would have figured that out. I mean, that's oh. a spoiler. And there's another spoiler. Like... This, this well, is not with spoilers. Right, spoilers. No, don't spoil. listen to this if you don't want to. <laughs> but, um, also, like Peggy Carter. Is it Peggy? Is Peggy the yeah. mom or the daughter? I think it's Peggy Carter. Whatever the daughter is, uh, it ends Sharon up being Carter. Some, Sharon Carter. Yeah, ends up being some kind of agent of evil. She's like the person behind the scenes of the six episodes, which sounds intriguing, but it, it's not really. You pretty much <laughs> guessed it if you watched the show the first right. second they showed her. But um, the 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 problem with the show, what I liked about Twenty Four when it was on, 
is sometimes the terrorists were really bad guys and sometimes we were kind of rooting for the terrorists and you never really knew till about the sixth episode. Like sometimes it was like, I'm sorry to say, like the girl from Solo is in this and I don't know if she's in some prestige BBC, some prestige actress or if they just wanted somebody biracial to kind of underline the kind of one world, one, what was it? One world. One one people, one, one world. Love. Is it, is yeah, it's like like one love. Whatever, whatever <laughs> <Yeah>. it was. <laughs> right. She she just wasn't she wasn't compelling enough as a threat. So at a certain point, like if, if you imagine this like like a six episode twenty-four arc, at a certain point all these people get super soldier serum, but they still just kind of look like regular people. But there's just all these power and I think we're gonna talk about MC movies, MCU movies next. And I think one of the things that they've almost always really got right is kind of who can fight with who and who's better than who and who like and and so in a movie that may or may not come up i think it's civil war um t'challa walks out and the i never know how to pronounce it but the door melage is like move or you'll get moved and he's like i'd like to see that and we're like yeah we'd like to see that because they're presumably on equal power levels right mm-hmm. in this in this show Anyone who sipped the syrup, anyone who sipped the syrup (laughs) could dip with Winter Soldier, like, would kick their butts. And I'm just like, why is the syrup fresher? Like, yeah, I I had the exact same problem. It would be like, why is this little, like, little girl beating up the Winter Soldier? He'd been doing this for, like, eight decades. My my brother-in-law was was messaging me frequently and calling her maybe Funke. And he was like... And he's like, yeah, that kind of freckly thing. And I was like, it, 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 again, none of it was bad. Okay, and here's the other thing. And obviously, for the hundredth time, not a political podcast. There are certain themes that I thought were good, but they were just so strongly underlined. Like, there's a certain point where, um, so, 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 Luke um, Dixon from Alias. Is is, oh, the, yeah. is is the hidden Captain America? He's the Captain America that got left behind, and they basically Tus- Tuskegee Airmen or Tuskegee projected him uh, afterwards. Uh, but he's the true first, you know, or not the first, but he's the, the Captain America from the fifties that no one knows about, right? And it's redacted mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, so at a certain point, you know, Bucky, who's been through a lot and whatever else, basically apologizes to Falcon for his like whiteness in relation to his blackness. And it's like, if you want to write that scene, just be like, hey, man, me and Steve didn't understand how tough it would be for you. Right. And we would all know what it meant instead of him being like, hey, I'm sorry. You know, like, hey, let me apologize for all my people's crime. And it just it just doesn't line up. Right. And. Well, you can talk about the last episode if you want. Again, we're I guess we're spoiling this, but it, it was. Oh, it we was... spoiled the mess out of this at this point. <laughs> but I agree with everything you said. The same things that stuck in your crawl were the ones I'm like. This was written by someone who didn't feel like they had freeness of speech to say whatever they wanted here to say it a certain way. And they were trying to curtail it rather than it being like a conversation between two people who were living this cinematic universe. It was like wink, wink, nod, nod to this is an apology going out to everyone in the real world. <laughs> like, yes, it, so it was. It was, it was, it was like, they should have turned to the camera. They should have turned the <laughs> camera and, <laughs> and just broke the fourth wall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I felt like it, it was cool. So I'll just say at the end. So at the end, um, and I thought that was good that uh, Captain America Smithsonian scene that shows up in a lot of things like now 
Dixon from Alias has his own little statue in his own little area. But even with that, I thought that that was almost should have been part of like a musical montage, like a Trouble Man oh, montage oh, 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 at the end. Oh, go ahead. I'm cutting. I'm cutting you off. Like I, I, I paused the thing to yell at my son. Like he wrote it. Like I always do. Like. <laughs> Wait a minute. You went to his house and he said they will kill me if they find find out I'm still alive. Someone lied about me being dead. You create an exhibit about him? <laughs> you basically <laughs> sold him out. I thought that was kind of just like, uh, did no one think that in episode two, he was afraid to, to have people know he existed anymore. And then you put up a museum exhibit for him. It was, I understood why it was supposed to be a nice nod. But when you think back to episode two, it's like he should be upset right now that you put him out there like that. Some stuff is better in montage. Because then it's just, you know, it's just like, hey, we showed this. Now we see where this person is driving away. Now we're whatever else. Uh, there was also very much politically kind of a it takes a village to bring a boat back kind of thing. Um, I don't know how you felt. And then there was a total like Rocky training montage, which I didn't really have a problem with where because it. Comic books logic of how the shields works, like doesn't make any sense. So the least they can do is make it seem like it's hard to learn how this thing works, you know? And so that was, you know, every time he gets a little bit better, a little bit better. And I, I was, I was mostly fine with that, but, 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 but the final episode, look, I, I was half watch. I mean, I was watching, but like, I, I, maybe I'm missing everything, but Ryan was, Ryan was like, you know, he, 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 so he gets wings, right? So his Falcon wings are now white because they're Captain America wings. And so like, he like comes down like an angel and, um, well, he delivers a speech. Let's just leave. <laughs> he delivers a speech that has true meaning for our time. And it, it was, um, it was really something. Uh, I wanted to ask real quick, cause you guys are, are, are more hundred percent legit Packers fans than me. What did you think about Rogers on Jeopardy? I didn't watch it. I just read other people's headlines, to be honest. Like, yeah, I, I, yeah. I don't care about Rodgers enough to, like, seek him out in other media forums. <laughs> like, that can't be legit, right? Is like, Because I feel like what came out of that is that we all learned that Jeopardy was fake. <laughs> like, like, like it, it, did, they, did they do the real thing? And then afterward, this guy is like, hey, hey, why don't you go for it on fourth down? And Rodgers is like, well, you know, oh, Dios mio. <laughs> <laughs> it's like... And I'm like, what's happening? Did that really happen? Uh, I I also heard that someone was that his answer. So he just didn't know the answer, and he put down some nonsense. I think that I think that's a thing. I think that's a thing. Like if you're gonna lose and you can't catch up, even doubling your money or whatever, then you just say something. Because one guy at Trebek was like, "We're gonna we love you forever" or something like that. Mm -hmm. So I think that's the thing. If you can't win, you just make a joke. But. I don't know. I like to me, there's something and, and I'll tell uh, man, I'm telling a lot of stories. So I wore my Bart star because we've been checking out all the different grocery stores down here. So I wore my Bart star jersey. And the dude behind the the dude behind the, the meat, the meat counter or whatever is like, oh, that guy over there, he's the number one Packers fan, this and that. And, he, and but he's like, yeah, Rogers, he's like the Packers are screwing Rogers over there for wasting his prime. He, maybe maybe he should go somewhere else, this and that. I don't know why I'm doing that accent because everybody down here. <laughs> that was obviously quintessential South. You just yeah. did. <laughs> Those are the Boston. It's it's so slow down here. It's so slow. It's so so. And I, I don't know. My impression is not ready yet for for whatever. And it's just like, and then the other guy comes over and they're like, yeah. And I'm like, wow, he successfully manipulated everyone to thinking like that it's everyone else's fault. And I like to me, I wouldn't associate myself with like. Just somebody being like, yeah, I'm a loser, but it's not my fault. Maybe next year. And it's like, dog, go ahead and like, go ahead and win. Nobody's saying you can't score when you had a ball. But that's, I mean, that's, 
that's just me. No, I didn't get to see the Jeopardy thing, but like, I don't. Yeah, I don't really know where that storyline came from. That we're wasting his prime. Just, I feel like I mean, that came did. from people. <laughs> we did waste his prime. So, like, I don't, I don't, I don't agree with like we wasted his prime and this season being the straw that broke the camel's back. But like we've been saying forever, under McCarthy, under McCarthy, mm-hmm. we get up big. And then we try to coast and we always lose every time. We never just try to blow someone out. Right. And I think I'm not just trying to blame only McCarthy. I think this is somewhat Rogers too, because Rogers has been programmed from watching daddy, AKA Favre get scorned for like throwing picks in the playoffs. Like I'm never going to do that when I get my chance, when I get my big chance. So rather than take, I'll just take a sack. I'll just take a sack. I'll take a sack and it won't look bad on me when we lose. It'll, you know, no one's going to go back and actually count how long I held the ball in the pocket. That'd be ridiculous. Um, so some stats are harder to track. And I feel like, look, you know me. I'd rather have Favre. I'd, I'd like to lose trying to win than lose trying to not lose. <laughs> right? Um, so give me three, four, five picks a game where I always – I can't turn it off even in the fourth quarter because I feel like we still got a shot over a guy who's going to – get up really big and break my heart season after season after season. But yeah. that's just how many me. conference championships games that he has he played in four or five. Is it six? It's got to be at least five, probably six. <laughs> There's the fumble off the head, right? The one this year, I think it was a previous year as well. Right. The one Maybe where he actually beat the bears and went to the super bowl. I just remember the one guy. I just remember the one guy said there were two that were over immediately, which was the Niners. And there were two that were heartbreaking. So, like, the Niners and... Um, Seahawks. And the Seahawks. Well, the Seahawks was a close one, right? No, we should have won the Seahawks one. The Seahawks was the onside. Yep. So, the, heart, the heartbreakers were the Seahawks. And, and no, the, the, the Falcons was... The Falcons and the Niners just, they got destroyed. Right, and, and the right. Seahawks and the Buccaneers were... Were were terrible, and then the one where the Caleb Haney Bears game is the one that they won. Unless I'm forgetting one, like the second half coasting, or once you get a a, vict- a lead to coast. Like I still don't even know how much of that is McCarthy's play calling and Rogers calling audibles, and like it may have been Rogers calling audibles to like R- McCarthy. No, we're not going to run. We're going to throw the pass, but then. I feel like that led to a lot of three and outs, which just gave the ball back. So I'm not saying it's not on him as well. I mean, I I think it's on both of them. But I guess I was coming from the standpoint, like right now in in Twitter and and the news, it's like, get this dude a wide receiver, get this dude a wide receiver. And I'm like, okay, maybe, but we were still have like one of the best offenses in the league this year. I feel, oh. I feel, I feel you. That and and like he, it's like the thing Rogers does do great is I think he makes pretty good talent who's not like superhuman in speed or strength yeah. look amazing once they get on the same page. Like I, I really give him credit for some of our greatest wide receivers. I think that's a lot on him working with them and, and their dedication and hard work too. But I think a lot of times, and we see this over and over again, these guys go to other teams and they don't know how to use them because you need to be on point. And on the same page, like Greg Jennings and all the rest of the guys that, uh, you know, I love when they were on our team. They didn't go off to do great things. Nobody was comparing them to Moss or anybody like that. But just once, since my youth, we had one guy, and it was Sterling Sharp, who was just 
a freak of nature, and we could do everything with that. I, I'm just putting it out there. Buccaneers said we're doing that this year, and they end up winning the Super Bowl. So just because our offense is good, imagine being terrified of our offense. Why are we so afraid to make people terrified of our offense? Why can't we go out there and get a number one wide receiver? Imagine Devontae Adams and some freak of nature. Yeah. Who is it? <laughs> who's our wide receiver who's faster than everyone on earth, but he's so fast he can't get his hands around the ball? <laughs> MBS. Yeah. 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 And he played good in the playoffs. I'm not trying to knock him, but like it, it's a different thing. Like All right. even even lined up against Antonio Brown, who wasn't great in the playoffs, you still respected him. You didn't just not plan for him at all. Like so anyway. Yeah, yeah. Sterling Sharp for those not old enough to know. Sterling Sharp was basically like if Adrian Peterson was a wide receiver. Like, mm-hmm. he just compact and just a total package. Yeah, I don't know. This rubbed me the wrong way. So we're already a little bit in. So we, we wanted to talk about the MCU. Um, and I think it's it's probably for us, um, knowing what big Star Wars fans we are, it's a little bit of an indictment that this is kind of the one that we wanted to do first. We're not doing top five Star Wars films, but this seems somehow uh, more relevant. But maybe, Luke, let's start with you. What? Oh, on. Let, let's, let, let's go, go, go for it. Let's let's set the page again, just so we did. We did um, uh, the Inception um, movies already. And the same principle, I think, applies. We are not trying to do what is cinematically the greatest, uh, what we think is the best written script with music and everything. It's what we enjoy the most and still enjoy the most. So not just first viewing, multiple viewings count, but what are the movies that you, if you had to pick your favorites, um, what is the order? I believe we do reverse order five through four, three to one, and back up the top, right? And you do not speak on it unless... Uh, no one else has it further up their list. Hundred percent. And and knowing you guys, I I didn't cheat, but I kind of picked some ones that I knew were not going to be on at least Jay's list. Just just. But this is actually my this is actually my. If dream. Iron Man three is on here, I'm going to quit the podcast. <laughs> you have to finish this by yourself. It, just, it, I'm just putting that out there. It's certainly it's certainly on the bottom three. It's certainly certainly on the bottom three. Um, at least for me. But um, so. Uh, yeah, let's go. Let's go around, Robin. Why don't we go? Why don't we go, Jay Luke? Um, and I'll, I'll I'll close it out. So, Jay, what's your number five Marvel Cinematic Universe film? With the number five pick, I don't feel like I have to say much more because I'm sure someone else has it further up their list. I have Infinity War. <laughs> Punt. Punt. Yeah. That's what I thought. Uh, my number five is Iron Man two. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's hear it. Let's go. I like this. Go ahead. This is already great. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, like I said, this is not about the best movie. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's fine. It's fine. (laughs) Just screw it. Why don't you give his answers? (laughs) (laughs) Whatever. It's fine. Like uh, Jay said, the uh, this is not about the best movie on the list. This is about the one you enjoy the most. So I'm sure Iron Man is a better movie, but I really enjoyed Iron Man too. It was funny. It was great. Um, I liked Mickey Rourke a lot. He was really funny to me. And uh, yeah, so I have Iron Man two at number five. 
So I'm just going to, can I ask some follow-up questions? Cause uh, can I cross examine the witness? Um, so Iron Man two is like kind of hated online. I don't hate it. I don't. Yeah. Hate it. Yeah. I don't know why um, it, and I, I'm not exactly sure why we have some great things in there. We have the introduction of black widow, right? We have mm-hmm. Tony kind of hinted. They didn't want to go the full, I think comic book story where he was like an alcoholic or whatever, like a true alcoholic. I, yeah. I think Iron Man three, they were trying to touch on that a little bit De- more demon in a bottle. Is yeah. That, is that, and and to me, I, I do like the movie. Um, what is the scene in that movie though make, that makes you think it has to make your list? I do uh, like. Lord. I do like. Yeah, Lord. I liked. I like the Monaco sequence. I was gonna I'm, say Monaco. That was my choice. Monaco's like nice. him tearing up the car with the with his arms. Um, I almost said and... Army Hammer. What's the name of the 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 it is Hammer. military guy. Is it? It's not Sam Army Rockwell. Hammer. Yeah, Sam Rockwell. I really yeah. enjoyed the way he played his character in that movie. Yeah. No, I, I would say to answer your question would be Monaco because I'm like I haven't gone back and watched it recently when I, I should, but even just doing like a recap of it and um that's the one thing that always stands out like that whole sequence. Um, it was cool to see him get the the suit out of this, uh, the briefcase and yeah. it was cool to see him get beat up too. It's not like, I mean, I guess that happened in the first one too, but like um, even as this, you would expect him to be even better. And then this, he gets punched in the mouth right away. So um, yeah, the Monaco scene. I think Iron Man two kind of exists. It was still really early kind of in the cycle. And so there were no nanobots or anything coming out to make suits. It was like he had the suitcase suit, which is like a thing in the comics, but like I didn't care about it. But it was just a cool thing to see. It's kind of, I think that one's more like two-tone red and silver too. It's kind of like a different uh, kind of look to it. And was this after the wrestler? Was this after kind of the Mickey Rourke rehabilitation where like? I believe so. Or was, I don't know if that was like then or I'm pretty the sure up. it was. No, I think they definitely picked him up after that movie. Like mm-hmm. he was kind of a big deal again. Yeah, because War Machine was a big deal thing. Like, I, I remember, like, it doesn't feel like anything now, but, like, kind of the final scene where they, like, kind of fight back-to-back, like, people were cheering in the theater, you know, and now, it, mm-hmm. given all the other things we've seen, it doesn't seem like a whole lot. But I I never disliked, I mean, I, it, it was still like a home run when we saw it at the show. It just kind of, to me, doesn't hold up uh, compared yeah, to other stuff. I, I think a lot of the MCU movies are great they were great when you saw them the first time it's just not the thing you grab because they've created more and more as they've gone on and kind of it's harder except for some truly unique ones that were especially the uh single single hero by himself in the movies those ones are harder to stand up over time except for to me in my personal opinion like the original iron man it holds a special place but in case that's on someone else's list i won't go too much further into that but it's harder for them to stand up on on their own two legs against the composite avengers type movies that that was the whole question and that was the whole question when making the list and this is this is legitimately kind of like the the dream team kind of thing where you wonder if like six through ten could beat one through five but there's there's a real decision to be made over do you pick the ones with 30 superheroes or do you pick ant-man or or something that's kind of like a self-contained thing with a couple of things do you pick black panther in which it's not like seven people show up at the end, and so that's I, I, I went one I zigged I went one way on that, but I think that's a real question with any of these lists. It's like, what what do you what do you pick? Do you pick the ones that were 
Because, I mean, and let's be honest, too. I mean, like, the Captain America movies became Avengers movies after the first ones, right. you know. And so, really, that, that that certainly informed my list. But, yeah, Iron Man 2. Um, I don't really have anything bad to say about it. No. Okay, He's so cool. <laughs> so, along the same vein, and I really mean this. Um, but again, we discussed with the Nolan cast and we discussed, we've discussed personally with, with, um, Star Wars through the years, how much I'm kind of a sucker for liking a movie and thinking they can't do that again and finding it going and kind of interesting ways after that. And so I tend to overrate Dark Knight Rises and I tend to overrate some of these other movies just cause I'm like, wow, I can't believe there, there was more meat on the bone. And with that being said, my number five is Guardians of the Galaxy part two. Um, oh. which was just so much fun at the show. Um, had all kinds of different surprises. I like I like kind of parts of movies where it gets kind of quiet and still. And the part where um, Drax is talking to um, uh, what's her name? Um, the empath, Man. basically. Yeah, he's Man. talking to Mantis, and it's quiet, and you're like. Hey, something's up. And you can kind of sense something was up before that, but just kind of quiet. It, there were, there were quiet moments. I think the opening, uh, the opening credits, the Mr. Brightside kind of opening credits is, was people were like, you know, like it, it's kind of rare. Cause I don't, like, most comedies, it's not like you go to see the, at least I don't, you don't go see the first opening weekend where people are laughing. Right. And people were just dying laughing in the theater, like with all kind of the baby Groot stuff. I find, I find it impossible not to be moved by what happens at the end and kind of there's the extended part and then there, then they fly the fireworks at the end and the whole drill. I cannot in good conscience say it's better than guardians one, but I, I wanted, I wanted to acknowledge guardians two, which I think kind of does a little bit more of everything. The characters evolve in kind of different ways and, and I just like it. Yeah. The, the whole, Who's your Who's your daddy? Who's your father? Yeah, it's great. Stuff was so well done. It was so well done. That's what everybody in the South talks like, right? Everybody <laughs> in the South talks talks like like either him or, or Chappelle being like, "Come on, buddy. Come on, buddy." Like, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, just um, in any movie, in any movie franchise, it's hard to go to the sequel and either have that sequel not disappoint, right? Because really. The ones you're really hyped on, they were something special, and you didn't know the world or everything. The fact that uh, Guardians 2 did not make my list, um, but that is not a knock on Guardians 2. That father subplot, and like you said, the way they let it breathe, let you be with the characters, and not just have it be action scene after action scene. They're real characters. Um, Groot won't do what Drax does and vice versa. They have their own roles. And I feel like sometimes that's lacking in movies where anyone will say with the same punchline and at, at the same point, it's like, well, these aren't people. They, they're, you wanted to get a joke off and this was the last person who talked, so this person will respond. Um, I, I really just love the, the intimate dynamic of uh, a father that was trying to use a son versus someone who's been there the whole time. And they set it up very good in Guardians 1. It really lives in if you watch them back yeah. to back to them. So... Uh, yeah, Guardians 2, and a good soundtrack, just like the first one, Yeah, uh, again. That, I don't know, like, is that Cat Stevens? Whatever that final song, too, is like, it, it seems like it should be in a Wes Anderson film or something like that. Yeah, it's all just of that, them Yeah, it, it really works. I'm sorry, I cut you off. I, I was trying, I was about to go look up what it was. I'm sure I got it somewhere. Yeah, no, it was absolutely, 
You know, it's it's crazy, and this is probably an indication of how good it was, but, like, I didn't like the initial father plot, right? And I think I didn't like it so much that it's clouded my view of the movie. Mm. Um, so, but both, both of them absolutely are fun, and I remember both of them being really funny. Um, but I, I should go back and watch it again, the second one, because it it like left a bad taste in my mouth, but yeah, the end is absolutely perfect. It's a perfect circle on on that plot. And it I don't think Stevens' father and son with Yusuf, yeah. I guess. Is uh, I know enough to be dumb about that. Isn't that the? Is Cat Stevens the one that said something about Islam? So he's like cast to. I have no idea. Be be hitting out for the rest of his life. This. Like Cat Stevens named himself Yusef. This this is on a cutting room floor, but he named himself Yusef Islam or something like that. And then they declared the jihad on him, so he's been hidden for twenty years or something like that. Yeah, I don't know anything. About Most stuff I say, I'm convinced that it's like sort of half right. That's probably like ten percent right, but there's something to that. But we'll cut that out probably. <laughs> um. Okay, so so close, but so far away. Cat Stevens did indeed change his name to Yusef Islam, which I would like say is an incredible pull by me but it was salman rushdie that apparently had the fatwa and he was criticized for being associated with it so i basically just named the wrong guy in this thing so sort of right but again mostly wrong as, as per usual back to the show dude and yeah. I, I, I think i was the only one too because at the show people were like losing their mind over howard the duck and, and maybe i was just in a like opening night or opening friday people were like people were like oh it's howard the duck like people were just in the tank for right. that movie. Well, well, hold on a second. How many people you actually think know who Howard the Duck is? Or was it like when you're at a club or like at a party <laughs> and everyone's like, oh, this is my jam. And you don't want to act like you don't know what it is. <laughs> yeah. So everyone adds in. I feel like there was a little bit of that because I think Howard Duck, the Howard the Duck was probably the first PG-13 movie I saw. And right. it, was, it was probably like five or six and terrified me to death. Uh, but I'm not caping up for Howard the Duck. And I actually knew who that was. So. Yeah. Do, I will do you know, cape up for uh, Never Nude in <laughs> which movie they put yeah, that's in. True. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the fascinating. Now, now we're back to me being half right about something as opposed to ten percent. There's to me visually a fascinating thing about how close they let a character get to Donald Duck before Disney sues, and that was the thing with <laughs> with Howard the Duck, right? Or even like the Oregon Ducks. Like that's why at a certain point they had to start making Howard the Duck look differently. They couldn't make him look like Donald the Stuck Duck. With the upturn bill, because that's—I'm pretty sure I'm half right about that, that and that's why he looks that different. Me. But they started out because, and you know, early—it's it's like it's like the early days of hip hop, where where um, Paul's Boutique could just sample the Beatles a hundred times, and they just weren't paying for any of it. And the early days of comics, they just drew Donald Duck and and called him Howard the Duck and had him say racy stuff, and they were just like, "What are you gonna do, sue me?" And like it wasn't, and that's. That's that's kind of why George Lucas loved it, and all those guys loved it because it was this um, subversive kind of thing. Right. This this is gonna go long. My apologies, but uh, yeah, Guardians two. Uh, Jay, what's your number four? Unless you have something else to say. No, no. Number four, Captain America: Winter Soldier. Wow, I thought you'd have that higher. All right, I do have it higher. <laughs> that's what I want. Yep. <laughs> all right, what's your number four? Uh, not on my list. Not on my list, but that that's not not an indication of quality. Oh, my number four is Black Panther. You have the floor. Um, 
Hold on, you don't know that Black Panther isn't on my list. It's not, yeah, gonna... but you didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that. <laughs> uh, I'm just kidding. Go ahead, Luther. No, no. Uh, so Black Panther, it was tough for me. Like two through four were really tough for me, and it could kind of go in any order. But um, I really appreciate it. One, it's the first of this movie. It's not a sequel. No expectations, and they came in and hit it out of the park on action, on visuals, and the story was more was deeper than I kind of realized at first viewing it. Like caught more things in the second time, which I mean it's a problem, movie, so it's not like super deep, but it was it was actually interesting. So um, yeah, just didn't really know what you're walking into, and to see it and enjoy it, like <laughs> I still remember it. <laughs> uh kind of like how much my dad enjoyed this movie too for all of the 60s and 70s reasons <laughs> like yeah. we made it y'all. <laughs> yeah no I, I can um, see that i can see that yeah so can so, i uh, can i rebut what? him on having black panther on his list <laughs> or is that not the way this works yeah that's that's what the, we're just talking man. <laughs> okay so i don't i don't before i say any of these statements i don't think black panther is trash the first two thirds of the movie, I thought, oh, are it was a so contender. Good. They're so like, good. The world building in the first open, like when you first see Wakanda, is dope. I will go back and watch that movie for that part all the time. Uh, my biggest problem is Black Panther's kind of whack <laughs> in a movie called Black Panther. Uh, that's really my, my biggest problem. He kind of gets his butt kicked the whole time. And then, and, and this is no fault. I won't blame Marvel. They were trying to get Infinity War done. Um, so they, there's only so many special effects artists to go around. The third act special effects are kind of lackluster. If they went back and redid that, I think he could actually move up in my list. But it's kind of just a CG fight fest with not too many stakes on it. Um, but like the world building was so good. And, and also, by the way, I just kind of have a problem with all the MCU characters kind of being Iron Man, even Spider-Man for that matter. Mm-hmm. Once, once Tony Stark starts giving you a suit, like even Spider-Man, I got to beef with like, he was already a superhero. He doesn't need this this metal suit. Otherwise, everyone's just kind of Iron Man. Well, the, everything that made you special, like Tony Stark, could make anybody that way once you start doing that. So with with the, like the Black Panther, what the purple energy that then shoots out of him, it kind of cheapened his actual abilities to me in the movie. Um, I would rather had him uh, fight a little bit more, like in a movie that's I'm sure to come up in my list. Oh, like Civil War. Yeah, he's he he's a much he's a much better character in Civil War. Um, it's it's a little bit heartbreaking that he was slowly dying throughout. So he's probably even physically bigger. I think at some point he's wearing like a tight long sleeve t shirt in Civil War, and he looks bigger. That's probably as big as he ever looked. Uh, first two acts are so great. Like like Michael B. Jordan, whether he can act or not is is still kind of an open question. But he certainly has presence. Him standing there with the jean jacket, like. And it, and it hits and it sounds like the, the opening kind of score sounds black exploitation in, in certain kind of ways, kind of the heist and they're doing the heist with the mask. And it's just, it, it, it you know, it's, it sounds like Luke Cage. I mean, it sounds like a lot of this other kind of stuff. It was just so interesting. And he's choking women. <laughs> he's choking people and being like, we're burning all this stuff. And it's just like they gave a real like a real villain through the first couple of bits. Michael B. Jordan doesn't doesn't totally work for me the way he says all of the lines necessarily, but uh, it, it's just, it, he just says them so hard, man. I like, he, 
I don't. I personally don't think Michael B. Jordan's a, a great actor. I think the the director knows how to write really well, and and he can give the gravitas that's needed. I don't think you can just throw him in any role. Uh, but I thought he was great in this. I mean, really, he is the star. Like you put it in because you want to see how he, you know, kind of just runs shop through everything to get where he wants. And how often in the second act of the first movie of a character does he just basically like get laying to dead? <laughs> Right, mm-hmm. someone's got to do something special to even bring them back. So, um, you, I think you go back and watch it. You watch it for Michael B. Jordan and what was the character's name? Um, Killmonger. Uh, Killmonger. Mbaku. Oh, yeah. No, is the other dude. But you, you go back and you watch. You watch the movie for Killmonger. Let's be honest. And, right. and I personally watch it for the world building and the great like visuals yeah. of Wakanda. But um, I, I'm not. I'm. I'm not a writer or anything like that. I. I it just would seem to me. That thematically, if Black Panther is thrown off of a cliff at the end of a fight and your militant antagonist is going to not allow Black Panther to heal him at the end of the movie after saying it's beautiful, he and even drops a line about my ancestors, slave ships is better than bondage, and he says that all hard, you have to jump off the cliff. Like uh, the end of Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon style. Like that's the theme of the movie. He should have jumped off into the mist. They could have brought him back then afterwards and been like, uh, some, Darth mauled him up and said he survived. But you can't just have him like pull pull a, a sword out of his chest or whatever and be like, and then just die. Like I, I like thematically, like it has to because they're two sides of the same coin and all these other things. And it just it was just a big missed opportunity to me. And I, look, and again, I understand. And we're going to talk about other, certainly on my list. We're going to talk about these other movies left. I understand they didn't want to have an actual white superhero, whether it be the you know Bucky the White Wolf or anybody else join the fray. I just was hoping for that. I was just rooting the whole time, like, can Captain America come in this third act, or can somebody else help? Because I, I don't care about this Rhino fight. You this know, this might have been this might have been before the merger, but if Storm would have shown up, I would have yeah. lost my mind. Oh yeah! Wow! Oh, wow! Yeah! Oh wow! Yeah! Totally! Totally! But I'm yeah, still it, waiting for that our Marvel MCU. Uh, uh, X-Men MCU crossover, man. I just watch every movie just waiting for a tidbit of Magneto showing up or something. But, Do you guys know, because I, I read something that was free on Amazon, but I don't really get to read comics anymore, but I was on the cruise. Do you know who the White Wolf is in the comics? I have no idea. It's not Winter Soldier? No, the White Wolf is basically Moses in a basket, or he's Tarzan. He's like a, a plane crashed, and a white baby came to Wakanda, and they raised him. And so he was like T'Chaka's intelligence agent. And so he runs the Wakanda CIA. So the White Wolf is a dude with a mustache who looks like Tom Selleck or something like that. Or like or like a 30s kind of mustache star. Like um, uh, not Jimmy Stewart, but the other one. Like Cary Grant or something like that. He's a Cary Grantish white secret agent who can fight a little bit but can't fight like the Black Panther, and it's just a whole other character. So them calling him White Wolf is referencing a character that they didn't use, basically. Uh-huh. Nope. Never heard of any of that. All right, yeah, who's up? Yeah. Who, who's up? I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, is it on me? Yeah. So. Okay, so this was a battle between two movies of a similar type, and I didn't feel right... Um not having either of these on here, although my, again, like the top 10 Marvel movies are really strong. Uh, my number four, I select with my second pick, uh, Avengers age of Ultron. 
um, a movie. <laughs> You're such a contrarian. That's the reason why this made your list. Go ahead, finish. <laughs> perhaps, perhaps the great, maybe, maybe it's possible. Um, perhaps the greatest trailer before kind of the end game trailers where we were just so fascinated. The the um, no strings on me kind of trailer. The Hulk Buster um, kind of it, it was all still kind of new, and this was kind of so Avengers. Uh, Marvel's The Avengers, the first Avengers, which is what, 2012 or whenever that was. You're you're titillated ultimately because all these heroes are on the screen and I felt like Age of Ultron just kind of upped everything. And I personally am more of a fan, slightly, of Joss Wheaton Avengers over the Russo Avengers, although the Russo Avengers are certainly better in a lot of other ways, action-wise. Um, and so I, I just... You know, if you step out that door, you're an Avenger kind of scene. is kind of really nice. There's a real feeling. I always like it when movies trick me, even though it's like where they allow me to suspend my disbelief and to think that a bunch of people are going to kind of die at the end. And again, a character like, well, not even Ultron, like Vision, like that they pulled off Vision, who wears ridiculous colors in the comics and is kind of just a totally ridiculous character. And they kind of also, I think, replicate the bizarre path that Ultron kind of had in the comics where they just, they try this and then they're like, well, we're going to try this again, you know, and then they try it again. And it's like, it feels like they try it three times and it's, it's kind of Ultron uh, as a film, the movie kind of lays a lot of the groundwork for Tony Stark needing to be taken down a peg or other kind of things or his mania and kind of, it sets up kind of this cap Tony dynamic. But again, the Hulk buster. And I I just think bang for my buck. I, I still really like the characters in it. And it's before certain aspects kind of got played out. I saw it a whole extra time in the show. So a lot of these movies we saw twice. I, I think I saw that one three times. And I saw that one with Dad too. Right up until, and right down to the end where they're like Avengers and he doesn't say a symbol and it cuts, which I just thought was cute, uh, which is a payoff. I, I just I just like this movie and, and I, I feel like the Spader Downey stuff plays well too. I feel like that movie was more a victim of bad marketing leading up to it because if i did not know hulk fault iron man and the hulk buster armor when i showed up i'm sure it would have been much higher on my list you need those reveals when you're actually at the show but they spoiled it in the trailers leading up to it for me um otherwise i think i think that scene really carries the movie but once you know it going in it's kind of like well now i know that hulk's going to somehow go bad and be fighting my iron man right you can figure that part out um uh, to me, uh, underrated scene, and actually probably my favorite scene of that movie. I'm I'm pretty sure it's this one. Correct me if I'm wrong, but the conversation on who can lift the hammer early on. Yeah, it's one of the better scenes of them just sitting back and having dialogue, and, and the foreshadowing that led up into Endgame um, made that payoff all the better um, with Cap. So uh, that's probably one of my top five scenes in any of these movies. But that's just like I think that's cute. I think the Stan Lee cameo there is cute. Uh, where he tries to drink the 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 whiskey or whatever. And, right. But sorry, go ahead. I, I said a lot. No, no, no. Go ahead. Like I've covered everything. I I don't think it's a bad movie. Once again, I think the internet. I feel like certain people on the internet just read something and then they think it's cool to repeat it and not actually stop and think for themselves. But um, I feel like not the best Avengers movie, but nowhere near unwatchable. Nowhere near the bottom of my list. It was still a great movie. I think Whedon occasionally had his hands full with trying to. Um, set up uh, additional sequels, but um, it, it's it's strong. I, I yeah, I don't mind Ultron the movie or the actual villain at all. 
Yeah, I don't. I think I saw that one twice in the theaters. Um, that one was like I have just not a whole lot of desire to go back and watch it again, but it was enjoyable in the moment. Um, I just, for me, that one was like less impactful compared to the other ones, or less memorable, I'll say, mm -hmm. than the other one. But yeah, I, I, there's nothing I can say bad about it. It was also kind of interesting because once they killed Quicksilver, we didn't know if that was like a negotiating point because that was after um, the X-Men Quicksilver right. scene was like the breakout scene of Days of Future Past. Um, I will also say kind of in the first third, whatever kind of flashback sequence, I don't know if Thor sees this, I forget how it goes, but like Peggy and Steve dancing in what seems like the Overlook Hotel and like uh, Black Widow kind of showing, there's like a, a cutaway scene of everyone kind of getting like a either a bad future or a bad past kind of flash forward. And it's like uh, Black Widow getting, you know... Her graduation, her graduation yeah. ceremony, right, and, yeah. and 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 that's um, that's Julie Delpy, I think, and, and it was just it, it was like oh wow they're going you know and then the, Idris Elba is in there kind of talking about Ragnarok and whatever else and there's kind of like that quick, and I'm, is that Tony's vision? I think Tony's vision is before the opening credits. I've seen this way more than you guys. I, I feel like I've seen. I think that's Thor's vision. I think he went to some pool <laughs> when he takes the bath, right? Like he just bounces out in the middle. I think they're at. Uh, Hawkeye's farm and he just leaves to go to some random mm -hmm. pool on earth. Yeah. Um, so for my number four, I wrote Ultron versus civil war and ultimately Ultron one. So that'll be, so if, unless anybody has anything else to say about uh, Avengers age of Ultron, which obviously is not on either your uh, lists, we'll go Jay to your number three. I believe. At number three, I have Avengers civil war. Anyone, oh, wow. Okay. Anyone have it? No, uh, okay. no it, it didn't, it didn't make my list. Okay. Um, there's so many. There's my honorable things. mention. Sorry, honorable mention. Yeah, to, yeah. to me, um, I don't think it sticks in your mind as well as some of the recent movies until you go back and watch it again. You need to kind of see it in context of all the great things they did there. Um, to bring all those superheroes on the screen to battle each other, uh, to bring Spider-Man into the universe for the yeah. first time in this movie in a way that didn't seem super rushed and you were okay with um really worked for me as well uh and as i kind of touched on during the black panther part this was real black panther to me like running down the street chasing after winter soldier about to just get the job done because you took out his dad um was really dope uh, he was on evil equal footing with uh, winter soldier with cap the whole movie and you know he was just kind of an oddball hunter in the movie he was, really wasn't on anyone's side um but even the way they gave him heart at the very end when he saves uh what's his name uh the purple mask villain. zemo when he yeah when he saves zemo at the end and doesn't let zemo kill himself it gave him such good character for him not being the real main thrust of the whole movie um you add that in the MacGuffin of the super soldiers we were talking a little bit earlier in, in a spoiler section about the falcon show uh, but they were smart enough not to do that in this movie. It would have been so easy to have them fight six bad guys at the end. And to me, that gave Zemo, like, outside of Thanos, probably the best villain for me in the MCU. Uh, and then there's Warm... Yeah. He's, he's right up there. He's top three to me. And because his plot worked. <laughs> his plot was like, I'm not strong enough to fight you. Um, I'm not going to try to build some technology. What I'm going to do is tell you the truth, and you're going to kill each other. <laughs> right? Um, 
and the part at the end where Iron Man basically said it's my mom, and then they just go to war. It's it's Winter Soldier and Cap, Cap trying to represent his boy from back in the day that he you know would never go against, uh, but he's in a pickle like, and Iron Man just being like, how dare you not tell me that he killed my parents? Um, to me, those are strong themes. I could believe all those things played out, and to see that battle on screen with the shield being tossed back and forth. Uh, to me, really promotes this movie way up there. And it didn't suffer from the bad marketing. We did not see Ant-Man go big in the trailer like you did with the Hulkbuster armor, which is why this would carry over the top of Ultron for me. Hey, so real quick, let's do let's do a quick bathroom break. <laughs> Maybe there's a good reason why many video stores charge four, five, even seven fifty for movie rentals, but we can't think of any because at Nord TV and Video, you can rent for two fifty, one ninety nine, ninety nine cents, and even one cent. Plus, get every fourth rental free and choose from an inventory of over twenty one thousand films in stock. Why has Nord TV and Video become the fifteenth largest independent video dealer in the nation? Because we save you this. 